Yesterday's concert is a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Grab your earplugs for another episode of Yesterday's Concert, a podcast that celebrates live music. My name is Lance Ingram, and in this episode we talk to Rob from the band Tan. We discuss the band's latest tour, jamming, what it means to be new in a band and how to jam with different people. Plus we talk about what it means to be a jam band on the rise. So I'm here with Rob from the band Tanned. We're going to talk about Tanned and the incredible music they create and everything else and jamming and whatnot. But Rob, how are you doing today? You doing all right, man? I am doing great, man. The sun's shining here in Cincinnati. So I, I, I've been listening to a lot of Tan lately and going back through some of the shows you've done in August, the Mercury yeah. Lounge show stands out. Absolutely phenomenal show. Does that one stick out in the tour or was there any other hot, hot shows you think? So ironically, I, since I'm a new guy and mm -hmm. also, I, you know, I, I like to review game tape. So like, I don't, I don't mind listening to shows, even if I felt like I played like shit or like, if I'm like, that's the best I've ever played in my life. Like I, I like to go back and listen to like game tape and see where I can do better or, or like what works, what doesn't work. So ironically, I was listening to that show today and I, nice. I do agree with you. This is actually, this, this was actually the first run that we've done together. I think the longest run for tan that they've done. So like, this is kind of our, our first national tour that we're working on right now. So it's good to have good feedback. <laughs> but I think the, the Connecticut show stood out to me. I think the Pembroke show, I, I like all, all of them have like really good highs. Like there's always lows, but I think that they're like, I think they all, they all hit pretty good. And like, I, I think we, you know, for only maybe playing, gosh, like if we've only played like 10 shows together previous to that. So like, we're still kind of figuring things out, like communication and like how, how each other plays, you know, like I, I'm, I live in Cincinnati and they live in Florida. So it's kind of a, the only time you get to like steal that bond together is when you're together. So like it felt like a lot of things were starting to fall into place, but there's still like a lot of the learning who each other is as a musician thing on stage. And like when you play together, especially with jam bands and proud music, you, you kind of have to learn where everybody's coming from. And that, you know, either comes from listening to music in the van or just hanging out, talking to each other about like what, what their lives are like. It really, really like it's, you know, it goes deeper than just the music and the musician. It's, it's why that musician's there and like all these things that make up this, you know, we're a five man band, but like what makes up that eight or some of a whole. So that's exactly where I wanted to go with the conversation. So I'm going to push the icebreakers to the end and we'll just jump right in. So cool. you talking about that. I mean, a lot of the shows, there was commentary, like this is the first time we played in X. This is the first time we've been here as yeah. a band. Yeah. So, I mean, how, I mean, you, the experience that you have in the previous bands that you've played in. I mean, is it kind of unique for you to be visiting these towns and cities and playing them for the first time, quote unquote, in this new band? Even though I've been to these places, it still, still feels new. Like there are some mm -hmm. new, like I, I'd never played at a uh, soundtrack studios. Uh, I don't think I'd played at, uh, blanking on the name of the place, Connecticut, Connecticut. And they treated us really well there. Park city. 
Okay. Park City Musical. Like they, for one, they treated us super well there. They were super cool. But there were a couple of places that we had played before, like eight by ten, and I've definitely played there a handful of the times with Aquius. But it it always feels new, even though you like you know where the green room is, but it's not. <laughs> but like, as it, it feels like a new thing that you're bringing to this place you've been before. It's like it's almost like having a new partner, and you're mm-hmm. like, hey, I'm introducing you to my my family <laughs> in, in a way. That's, I mean, I but that's I do I love the. The, the the idea of jam bands just absolutely fascinates me just because you do see so much crossover you see a lot of sit-ins i mean just this past weekend Derek truck sits in with fish i mean it's just like it's beautiful yeah. and like so i mean the idea of you being new to the band yet when i listen to that mercury lounge show i'm like this is a well-seasoned band that's doing this so like sure. where where is that connection that that forms in jam bands that makes everything so fluid in that sense doing it doing it for a long time <laughs> um, I think just just experiencing it, and I, I think to be to be a jam band musician, I I, I don't know what the best thing to call it. Mm-hmm. Like to be in the scene and to be a musician in the scene, it it, it it's it does a lot for you to have experienced it in one way or mm-hmm. another. Whether you've gone on fish tour, on freeze tour, string cheese tour, like gone to festivals, but like I think understanding. I think the real thing about the jam band scene that makes it unique is the connection between the fan and the band. Mm. So I think I'm getting off track here. No, uh, you're perfectly but, on track, dude. Keep going. But, but that, where was I? You were talking about the, <laughs> the connection between like fans and the, the band. Like, yeah, that's yeah. What makes I it think, so special. I, right. And I think to, to be a good jam band musician, you, you've had to be a, like a fan first. Like you, you've had to experience that to know what, how to bring that experience. It's like if you're, if you're a chef and you want to be, you want to move to like be a restaurant owner, but like to be a good chef, you have to go to the restaurants to see how they do it. And like all of, all of those things that you have to see how it's done and exist in it to, to make something that people are going to understand. You kind of have to live and breathe it. And I think a, a, definitely the guys in in Tand absolutely have like lived and breathed a lot of like different different bands. For example, like Mike Mike Garoli played in Heavy Pets, so they they you know that they they he has that experience. But also like he's a big he's a big Grateful Dead fan. I think he might be a secret yeah. dead fan. So I, I don't know if we're allowed to, I don't know if we're allowed to just out him. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if we're allowed to put that out there, but, but like, I, I know Taylor, like he was a big jam band fan to Daryl. Daryl used to put festivals together. He put together or a festival. He worked with Halloween for years. So I think having, having that connection was what it means to people. Is is super important, and to be able to put that out in a way that people are going to respond to it and understand is like, I think that's what that's where that comes in. Like that's that chemistry. But like to have the chemistry, you need necessary elements. Mm. Well, and, and what you're talking about is listening. I mean, you're you're talking about yes, you're talking yeah. about experience, but you're talking about listening, and that's yes. what, you know I, when I hear jam band musicians talking about what it takes to craft a jam and to be in a band and to do the sit-ins and things it's all about listening sure. it's that yes and experience yes and so yes. that's what i mean this is a silly question but do you think the jam band fans are perhaps 
or musicians are the best listeners when it comes to musicians? Or you had to yeah. be? Yeah. I, I, for, for some instances, yes. Yeah. I wouldn't necessarily, I mean, I think as a musician, your, your instrument is important, but your ears are 10 times more important. The, the, you know, you could, you could be a limited skill player at any instrument, but if you understand the role, you and you and you rely on your ears to put the right thing in the right in the right moment at the right time where it's where it should be that's that's such a huge thing about being a musician that i think it's lost sometimes but i think that's the biggest part is utilizing your ears but you know i i think that it doesn't necessarily discredit any any musician like i think that's just like using your ears is it, for me and i think for many many people in the jam scene is using your ears just the most, your most valuable instrument, mm-hmm. your, your heart and soul come next. <laughs> it's, oh, of course you got to throw into love. You got to have a little love in the recipe. Yeah, he's got- but I mean, for you as a musician, do you remember kind of that moment of realization? Like I have to listen and my ears are just as important as knowing when to hit the tom, when to hit the kick drum or anything like that. So I don't know if I was blessed to be self-taught. Or if it was just kind of like how how the cards fell because I'm not really great with authoritative figures. <laughs> I, I never I never I never took well to lessons, so I you know I went the self taught route. And as a kid, I would be that was how I learned, like because you have to listen intently to what those sounds are to learn what what you're going to be playing. So bass drum is that oh that's that do, do, do sound and your hi hats the sound and the snares like so when you when you figure those three things out, you're like, okay, now I can apply this to, I think, you know, I was listening to like Green Day. I was listening mm-hmm. to like Rage Against the Machine, like all these Led Zeppelin. I like specifically remember a moment listening to Led Zeppelin. And I think it was a The Immigrant Song on my way to school. And I like couldn't wait to get home to try to play it on the kit from mm-hmm. like coming home. So I was like, this is like, I want to try this because it was that, but he was following along with the guitar rim. It just, it's, mm-hmm. it's sick. It's, it's, it's super dope, but I, I wanted to go home and replicate that. And I think that might've been the moment where I was like, oh, your ears just connected what these things do, like what you're hearing. Cause obviously, you know, I'm, I'm not able to see Led Zeppelin and I definitely wasn't able to see John Bonham. So it was, I think that was kind of the, the, the clicking moment for me when I was like, oh, if I listen to what this is, I can relay it and see it. So does, I, this is a dumb question, I feel like, but do you, do you have to listen for a jam to be good? Does it, do you have to have active ears for it to be a good jam or can it just be, y'all are so connected that it just flows out of it? I, so... I kind of think of that, you know, your ears are kind of that muse that are bringing all those things together, all those elements together. So if everybody's listening intently, they, they know what to do. So it kind of falls into both of those categories because you're using your ears. This jam is going to be great because nobody's trying to get in each other's way. We're all trying to follow the same path as one. And we're just trying to get to this, you know, wherever it is, whatever the goal is, we're, we're attaining it together because we're being a team right now and we're like listening and using our ears and and finding a way for this like 
this muse to be guiding us through, you know, the woods, basically, like mm. through through this territory you don't necessarily know, and you're doing it together. So, yeah, that's fantastic. Well, that's I mean, since y'all haven't played, you haven't played many shows with Tan, and y'all are still trying to figure things out. Has there ever been, are there any notable jams where it's like things just click, and you're like, oh yeah, this is gonna work. Like this is gonna be a good match for us. Sure, I, I. <laughs> I, I try not to judge judge it that way because it, at the end of the day, at least my philosophy is that it, whatever is going to happen is going to happen. Like somebody's going to play a wrong note potentially. You're you're gonna you're gonna miss the snare. Like so, something will inevitably happen, but that, that's not necessarily the the sum of the whole. And it's like mm-hmm. that that moment that moment that you're trying to create is more valuable than the like the the the, the notes you're trying to play. Mm-hmm. I think that's where I was going. I think that's where I was going with that. But I, yeah, I just, and, and you know, there are times where I'm just like, man, I am not doing well right now at, at what I'm supposed to be doing. Like, but you listen back on it because you listen to game tape and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, that really wasn't as terrible of a moment. And, and like, and nobody in the crowd realizes it because they're so in that moment. But that's, and that's the most important thing. So I think the biggest thing is like the battling of like, being in the moment and using your ears and like all of those things that like have to connect to put that out in like an energy to the people that are that are watching you hmm. does being in the moment too deep ever distract you from keeping those active ears or is it actually beneficial to be too like in too deep that it just flows naturally i, I think you want to be as deep as possible it's yeah. uh it's sort of it's sort of like that zone athletes are able to achieve mm-hmm. where like nothing to where you don't like hear or feel or see you do hear you feel you see but you're like in kind of another dimensional thing or something is like coming directly from you and it doesn't happen often I, i'm sure there's other musicians out there that like can like go right to it and like you know those those are like your special musicians that can just like pull from that but like you know there's that that's what that's what i'm trying to achieve that that like how lost can I get in, in, in it? Because that's where that, where you're truly connected with what, whatever, what, what, wherever it's coming from, like the wherever the music's coming from, like you're just, that's, I'm a little stoned, so I'm getting real deep with you, but <laughs> dude, I love it. Dude, let's go deep, man. Let's go deep, dude. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I mean like, but like as, I don't know, I, I think getting lost in it is the most important thing. Like that's, yeah. Because that's where the magic comes. Because you're not worried about missing the note. You're not worried about. You're not worried about anything except being in that in that in that moment. And like that's, and you you can never experience it from the other side, like from the audience's perspective, which like always bothers me. Because I'm like, man, I wonder what this looks like like right now. Mm. Because like it 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 can become almost an outer body experience. It's not necessarily for some people. Like they're just like, yeah, I'm just like watching myself play from above but like you can truly get lost lost in it and like that's that's the beauty of it because that's that's where your best thing is coming out because you're not thinking about doing it you're just mm-hmm. doing it and it's the thing well, that you're like meant to do let's i think about it from the fan perspective i know what can keep me out of the music i know it pulls me out like if it's somebody spills a beer on me or like somebody's talking sure. too much as a musician what prevents you from getting into that space what keeps you away from it your own your own it could be really anything for me it's like just thinking too much 
Like yeah. uh, that's when my that's when my mistakes happen. Or if I'm like, yeah, I'm like playing this groove really well right now, and I start thinking that as soon as I think <laughs> that, I I mess something up. It's like, man, I was doing so well, but like, and, and it may even be like an almost completely inaudible thing. But mm-hmm. it's also like you feel yourself kind of like get pulled out of it for a second, like mm-hmm. like pulling a, pulling a thread from a piece of fabric. It's like, oh, you just get plucked out for a second, and then you like have to sewn back in and i think i like suffer from like pretty severe adhd too so it like it can be like a blessing and a curse because like i'm it's one of those moments where like i'm able to focus all of that and like i don't have the chatter and like all the all the the brain just like constantly just saying just like you know the the stereotypical kind of like squirrel saying where it's just constant constant thoughts racing but like, I think that's like also for me, like a moment that like I'm able to turn everything off, which is like, mm. that's why like I'm in like one of my most peaceful places on the kit. Mm. Let's, I think to go back to the sports analogy, like I think about players, they run drills, they run through the plays. So that way when they get on the court, it's so second nature. And I, sure. I know bands practice and I know bands go through things to make sure that they're tight, but does that pull you out of the art? when you rehearse too much like does it just become too second nature when you rehearse too for for composition's sake i think it's pretty valuable to mm. to know to know the songs you're playing like to and it, you know there's with the jam band scene specifically mm. like everybody writes really hard songs for mm. some reason like <laughs> and you know I, i'm pretty sure it's trey's fault it's it's Gary's fault <laughs> it's you know it's but like Everybody just wants to write these like epic, yeah. epic tunes and you want to slay them like you, yeah. you, because like, you know, you're, you're a writer in this, in this huge, you know, sometimes 15 minute songs where like, it's like, man, if I play every note of this, right, I'm going to feel really good about myself. But like, yeah. I think that also leads, leads everybody like pushing each other and like pushing yourselves to do execute at a high level. Um, mm-hmm. But everybody in jam band scene writes they, too too damn hard. Everybody's writing hard songs. <laughs> well, what is? Let me ask you this. So I was reading about you. I, I didn't. I couldn't find a copy, but they were talking about you specifically. You playing like some kind of Slayer cover song. I, I don't know what song it would have been. Uh, yeah, I I have. I don't think Aqueous ever played Slayer, but I, I've actually read that post. That at the Reddit post as well. Yes. Yeah, it was, uh, and that's what I was like. <laughs> I mean, that's. Like that's cool as all get out that you're playing Slayer, but I mean, like, so I mean, the the, the comparison that I wanted to make was like, you nail you nail some very highly complicated composition part versus playing your brains out on like a Slayer cover. Which is the more creatively like fulfilling task as a drummer and as a band member? Oh uh, man, for me, it's it's the I think it's the execution, regardless of whether you're playing you know a slayer tune whatever you're playing i think the execution is like for me i i think just like trying to get it right i think it's like super valuable as as an artist because like i in the jam band scene specifically things things are very loose and also things can be very tight and there's such a a broad spectrum that like executing on both of those abilities i think it's super cool and like just a a cool way to be an artist like the fact that i get to play so dynamically that i can play really soft like really heavy but you know it may be a three minute 
metal song that we have to play, but like executing that is, I think that's equally as, as cool. If you do it right and you do it perfect and you're like, and you sound like the album and you're just like, this is exactly how I want it to sound. Like that's, that's super fulfilling because that's, no, no, that's putting, that's putting paint on a canvas that you, you saw it before you put the paint on it and it executed and it's the exact painting that you wanted it to come out. Yeah, and that's e- either side of it, where it's, you know, it's going to be this like loose jammy song, but it has a lot of intricate parts in it where you're like, man, I hit every single one of those parts. I can't believe I did that. For example, like some aqueous tunes, like I can't even count how many parts were in them. Like I, I would have to, I, I'd have to go back and look at like some charts, but like some of those songs were like very complicated <laughs> and like, and from, you know, learning them or being part of the writing process, like you, you you feel an attachment to it. And I think also like I read something somewhere like it, you, if you're playing what you're attached to, like you're going to play so much better with so much more soul that it's like vital it, that that's like, you know, the lifeblood to us all. It's, it's being so dedicated to that little piece of art, that, you know, some people may never hear, but being so dedicated to it that your heart and soul actually comes out, out of it. And, and people that, I think that's what resonates with people the most, like when it, if you're putting that kind of energy into your recording or your live performance, people are going to feel that. Mm, that's beautiful. At the end man. of the day. No, that's beautiful. And, and so now my question is like, for a jam, you know, they are loose in structure and then intentionality, they are loose in creative outlets to flow and as they do. So how do you execute a jam well? Like what constitutes a well-executed <laughs> jam? Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. I think that comes back to the the ears and just letting your ears guide, letting the things you see guide you. Like for me, as like I, I can't speak for any other drummers, but for me, I rely on a lot on my ears and the musicians around me. I rely on their body language and to kind of like see what kind of energy they're putting into their instrument or using the the effects they're using on their pedals or their keys to like in on what what the right thing is to put behind what they're what what the right canvas is for the paints that they're putting on the canvas mm-hmm. so that that's generally how i approach it um am i am i laying it out right for them to be putting the right colors putting the right shapes putting the right things on to the canvas so that's you generally that's 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 my approach and that's when i I usually have to listen back because I get caught up in it and I'm like, I'll be thinking about it too much on stage where I'm like, no, this is, this is a really good one. Or like, I'll start playing something that I don't necessarily think fits. And then I'll listen back to it. Like, oh, that actually wasn't wrong at all. <laughs> but yeah, it comes, it comes down to the ears and, and it's feeling, I guess. Hmm. Since, since you're such a student of game tapes, is that the same for the rest of the members in Tand? Is everybody kind of on the same page about that? Or do, do you bring notes to them? How does that roll for the band? I I can't really speak for everyone on that. I know okay. that like it for some musicians, and this is like across the board. It's like mm-hmm. it it could be torture to listen to yourself. So I, I know that we've only listened to a couple things in the band together. And I'm just like, okay, this will be the extent of it because I'm not going to start putting on our own game tape and have everybody get mad at me. <laughs> so 
but because like everybody has, you know, a, it, it's all an opinion on how your night went based on, you know, how your night went. It's mm-hmm. not, it's not all because you, it's hard as a musician and an artist to think how the whole band did when you know how many mistakes you made as a person. You think like there's times where somebody's like, dude, that's the best show you've ever played. And then you're like, that was the worst show I've ever played. What do you mean? <laughs> but like, it's, it's such, such a subjective thing that like, mm. I, I know Daryl has to, our keys player, Daryl has to listen uh, to tape because he does all of our nugs recordings. So he has to listen to everything. So he's generally the first to report on these like, oh, this was good. Or like, maybe we should like never play this song again. So like there's there's always that. There's like the there's the constant push and pull because it's it it's not one person on stage. It's mm-hmm. we we have five guys and that you know, some people are happy with shows, some people aren't. And then you'll like I that's I don't know. I I, I always avoid that like conversation. Yeah. <laughs> because well, like was- I, I I would I always, I I do like when like there are times when people are like, Oh, what we were doing there. It's nice. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's keep that. Cause I think that's really the, the, the valuable thing to take from, from listening to yourself play. If you can separate yourself from like only listening to yourself and all the mistakes that you made. So mm-hmm. if you can listen to the thing as like a, a whole piece, a whole band and, you know, take the notes there and say, oh, this is where we can do this. Or wow, this was really working. We should, you know, utilize this piece. And then you, you know, you take, take down the timestamp. It's all, it's all digitized, so it makes it super easy to like just take notes of what you want to work on. I was actually doing it today. I opened up a notes for for nug shows. I'm like, okay, this is this is something I want to fix because also I'm I'm still new. Yeah. So I think hearing things that I need to tighten up personally as as the as the drummer is is also important. Making sure that I'm I'm the right voice for for what the what they're trying to say. Well, I think that my underlying question was like, I, I know some bands don't talk about it. They don't talk about the show. Mm-hmm. They don't talk about what happened. And so that's what, where does Tan fall in that? Do y'all talk about it? Say what works, what yeah. doesn't work? Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Um, yeah. Cause you know, people, people make notes in their heads and say, oh, this, this is working. This is not working. And you know, it's just, uh, I think it's, I think it's good to, to discuss what, what was negative and what was positive and how how you can make what you do better i think that that kind of open communication is super valuable especially when you're trying to travel around the country with you know eight dudes in your van like it's you you need to communicate you need to say you know what what we need to fix because otherwise those those things will like they will stir and fester and then all of a sudden you're you're like not happy on stage. And then when you're not happy on stage, you're not putting out a good product. So uh, mm-hmm. like, it's, it's super valuable to say like, Hey, let's do it. Let's try it like this. Let's do it like this. And like, I found the guy, the guys in Tanner are really like great with communicating like what, what they wanted was, was like specifically me. And like, I'm able to take that, that criticism and say, okay, let's make, let's make this really good. Like, I, I don't want to, I don't want to suck, <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, I want to put out the best, the best music I can for, you know, every, like, it, everybody in the crowd and everybody on the stage with me like i think that's that that's like the most valuable thing that's why we're here that's why we're doing mm-hmm. it like we we want to do it like do it well well what so do you like, think tand has done really well 
like in the like the August shows that you have on like Bandcamp and Nugs and everything like that, what yeah. are some of the things that you think have gone really well, like for this extent, your first extended run together, really and truly? Musically or just like generally? Please. Musically, I think we're like really connecting in our improv. And mm. just, I think a big thing about, about jamming is, is being patient. And like, it's so easy to try to force things and I catch myself doing it all the time. It happens, but they're even from my first couple of times playing with them, just their patience mm. and ability to let things evolve as opposed to pushing and trying to like make something happen, but getting to the point at the same time. I think that's like really, if you can find the. The keys to that one, you've got you've got a Ferrari in your hands. <laughs> so, like it, it's it, it's you know easier said than done because time time on stage is so much slower when you're playing mm. than than it is listening or watching it. Like so, something could feel like it was hours long, and you're like, well, that was only two minutes. Yeah, but like and it, it, it's it's so funny how like there is that like almost like a time warp on stage where you're like you feel like it's forever but it also feels like such a short time and i guess mm -hmm. that's kind of like a my it's kind of a microcosm for life i guess yes. but, it's, but it, there are jam bands that I, I thoroughly enjoy that they don't have a lot of patience and it shows in the jams i still think they're great bands but they have that room to grow so like talk about patience for a minute talk about like I mean, like you were saying, time moves slow on stage. So how do you, how do you wait for the jams to evolve? Like, where do you find that patience to know when to go for something? Usually that's, I think that's where your ears come into play. And mm. when you, when you're moving through something and you're, you start to hear it, you start to hear where somebody's, you know, call it, calling out to you or where you can where almost you just kind of, you, you just latch onto it, where somebody will start playing a chord progression that, you know, everybody's kind of vibing on the same thing. And this chord progression comes from somebody and you're like, mm -hmm. oh, and you, you just kind of snap to it. And then everybody else either comes on or they start to deviate and move it into a different, a different realm, but it, it, it just kind of works together. Like, I, I think that's, and I think the thing where patience comes in is allowing it to work together as opposed to force, forcing the pieces of the puzzle in, into each other where they may not necessarily fit, pushing them to like work together and slowly, slowly evolve. Now, how to do that? I, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I, 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 I don't. I don't know how it works. I, it just, it just kind of happens. I, I, yeah. It, and whether that is, you know, somebody knowing what to do or, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll make a mistake, but it'll be a cool mistake where it's cool enough to be like, okay, if I do that one more time, we can actually take this in a completely different direction. You know, like if, if the stair falls on the one or something like that, it's like, oh, that could work. I'm going to come back to that and then just kind of keep, keep playing it again and again and again, and then come back to it. You're like, okay. That, that kind of rounded that out. So I don't know. It's, 
it's it's a constant it's a constant maze to be mazing through or <laughs> some of it has to do with like the musicians you're playing with like some of it has to be like you have to mesh with the other dudes on the stage sure. right like i mean with sure. tan was that one of the things that kind of attracted you to playing with them was that you just you found that connection and you found that meshing and that's part of why it just worked so well for you guys so this was kind of a unique thing where I didn't really get to play with them a whole lot before I kind of joined the band. Hmm. So they had called me in April, I want to say, and we're like, Hey, do you, would you have any interest in being our drummer? I was like, well, what are you guys working on? A whole bunch of other things. And, uh, Daryl had sent me the new album, Trip of the New Dinosaurs, and it was like almost done. And they just wanted to finish it and they'd been working on it for like since the pandemic. So almost three years, maybe even longer. They're just like, we really want to get this done. So they had me come in for a, a couple of days previous and were like, Hey, let's rehearse and like teach you these songs that are going to be on this album and like, make sure that you know all the parts and like, you can go into the, you can go into the studio and just be, you know, pretty, pretty easy, easygoing situation. So really the first time we played together was like me joining the band and learning their catalog of like stuff wow. that was going to be on this album. So like, like it, we're kind of like in an, it, we're very much in an infancy stage where, mm-hmm. you know, where it comes from like knowing each other and all of, all of, all of that, like chemistry. But like, I feel like that chemistry is there already where, where I think a lot of being an improvisational jam band musician, whatever you want to call it, is is you have to trust the people that are on stage with you, and kind of have to trust that you know where we're going. We're all in the same car, and we're all going at least in this direction together. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that comes back to like you know you do have to gel, and that also comes back to one of your earlier questions, where it's like you kind of have to live it to like mm. kind of be in that band together specifically yeah. like it, it, we wouldn't we wouldn't be in a band together if like all of us hadn't seen fish at one mm. point in our lives like at an early point in our lives or like be, just been in the scene in general we wouldn't i don't think we'd be playing together so i think you know you're you you surround yourself by the environment you want to be in i guess mm. yeah <laughs> in a way musically so you know if you want to be part of like a any music culture you you do you you absorb yourself in it and i think Mm -hmm. that's that's where you know these these guys all speak the same jam band language i guess Mm -hmm. so like we you we you know you you listen and you 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 respect your elders like the the jam bands that came before you and and Mm -hmm. what 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 they've done and how how that applies to what you do and how to be unique and stand out from it but still respect the the roots of it Mm, that's wonderful well i think since that kind of came full circle and we skipped the icebreakers at the beginning we'll knock those out now and just call it a day Sweet. so Sweet. so now that the ice is broken we will break it some more and ourselves <laughs> into the Smash. Deep <laughs> so as a drummer i know you talk about inspirations and influences and all that stuff i want to know you can pick any drummer who do you want to take drum lessons from every week for the rest of your life not to say you're not a great drummer, by the way. Just everybody <laughs> has room for improvement. Everybody has room uh, for improvement. Uh, I've got plenty of room for improvement. I got plenty of room. <laughs> I tell people I'm just really good at guessing which drum to hit. 
Uh, anybody? That's tough. I would really like to. So Carter Beaufort from Dave Matthews Band is like, was like probably one of my first, first drummers yeah. that I was like, this guy. And we both play open-handed. And I'm like, this guy mm-hmm. plays like me. And he's sick. And I had all the Carter Beaufort videos on VHS. Yeah. Like, so a big Carter Beaufort fan. So I'd probably say Carter Beaufort by default would have to be the answer. I love that answer. I love it. All right, Good. so next question. <laughs> You're going out this fall on the Homeyverse tour. Yes. So I want to know what band do you love touring with the most? The ultimate homie. Oh, man. The ultimate homie. Gosh, there's, I can't answer that question. Nope. I'm not answering all there. Okay. <laughs> all of the no. above? <laughs> no. So the thing is, like, uh, when I joined Aqueous, there were a lot of bands that, we're there to like bring us on the road with them and like we're we're integral to the part of mine and and our bands like growing up and i guess like you know just being part of it like it, it's a big mm-hmm. family so like i i can't say a fam- favorite family member there are, there are definitely some folks that I have a great absolute great time with and they know who they are because it's everybody so I, that that's a tough one to answer because it, it it like that's one of the reasons that I wanted to go back on the road with, because I didn't necessarily after Aqueous and kind of an outside hiatus, so I was like, maybe I, maybe I just stay home for a little bit. Um, but played a festival. I think we played summer camp, and like this is kind of like in my time of debate, debating like, do I really want to go back on the road? Do I really want to do this? And like just hanging out with like everybody and like all all of my like musician friends. I was like, you should not stay home <laughs> you don't you know it, like just those just the relationships with people that i've made that aren't necessarily musicians over the years fan, fans that like you know that they they go out of their way to like see your band and like mm-hmm. those people are so like so important like your your fans are so important and like i've i've made so many fans that have become friends because like that i've i, I truly value like those relationships mm-hmm. and i think like I'm a, I'm a pretty easy guy to talk to. So if you want to be friends with me, anybody just come up and talk to me. <laughs> Lovely. But I, 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 but like, that's, that, that's one of the reasons I do it. Like I, you know, I have friends all over the country now and it's such a, such a cool ass thing to be able to say, like, I, I know somebody here that I know I'm going to have a good time. with. Like, even if I'm that's just cool. visiting, I, I know who I, I, I know who I'm calling to hang out. So that's cool. I love yeah. it. All right. So we got two more questions. Next one. You make some pretty sweet custom hats. I think you're wearing one of them right now. I am. What, uh, in your opinion, what makes a great lid? What what what's the composition that has to come together? What makes a great lid? So what I do is like my primary thing is upcycling. So I I actually this is the anniversary of my my Brimworks company up? making it nice. first post. First post is actually today's the anniversary. So very cool that you mentioned that. But awesome. I I have started in that time, I have actually started seeing the world and I could make that into a hat. Like so there like f- any like fabric, hopes, anything that I see, I'm just like, could that be a hat? Mm-hmm. Could it could that be a hat? So like it, it, I think really anything can make can make a cool hat. As long as it's fabric and it's something you like, that's that's really that's really what it's all about. I I try to make things that are sentimental for mm-hmm. for people generally. I think that's like one of the main goals is to try to preserve 
sentimental pieces. So those are like tops of my list of what, what make a really cool, cool hat. Like my friend, uh, just had me make a toddler and mom onesie from their daughter. They, They had a newborn and she had me take the onesies and make them both matching hats. So like, that's cool. you know, it was so, something that could otherwise stay in a box for, for years until you stumble upon it. And you're like, oh, this is so cute. I love this. Like mm-hmm. you, you give something that you give a new life and it's mm-hmm. something that is something that's sentimental should always have, have life, you know? Mm. That's beautiful, man. Again. All right. So last one. And by the time this is released, the season may be well over. How are the Reds going to finish? Are they going to make the wild card? What's going to happen? Oh, Jesus, <laughs> Ugh, I can't. I can't even watch. Are you a Reds fan? No, I'm a Cubs fan. Okay, well, I won't hold that against you. But it's, <laughs> it, dude, it's uh, honestly whatever happens. I'm so satisfied with how excited I've been all year mm-hmm. that it, it's sort of like the Bengals from what two years ago when they went to the Super Bowl and everybody's like. What the fuck just happened? What, uh, yeah. what, what is happening here? It, it, it has that, that element of excitement for somebody who's a Reds fan for their entire life. Yeah. It, and like really not having any like history of any success for the Reds. Let's, <laughs> like any, any, <laughs> any, any inkling of success that we get in here is like, it's, we're, we're happy about it. So I'll take, I'll take what we've gotten and I'll be happy with it. <laughs> I'm it. hopeful. I would love to see a wild card, wild card happen, but I don't know. Red's hot, baby. I don't know. Red's hot. We gotta get, <laughs> we gotta get Red's hot again. We gotta get Red's hot again. That's awesome. Well, hey man, I appreciate you talking today. This is fantastic. Thanks so much, man. Go check out Tanned, everybody. Appreciate you. Thanks for having me. I'm Lance Ingram, and this is yesterday's concert. Thanks for listening to another episode of my show. For more live music podcasting, check out our other show, Jam Journals. If you're feeling kind, give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and check us out on all the social media platforms. Email us at info at yesterdaysconcert.com or visit our website, yesterdaysconcert.com. So until next time, give us a subscribe, tell your friends, and most importantly, take care of your shoes.